Welcome to Tea, Toast, and Trivia. Thank you for listening in. Today, I am delighted that Sylvia, a remarkable blogger and a dear friend, has joined Tea, Toast, and Trivia to bridge the 4,245 kilometers, that is, as the crow flies, between Florida and British Columbia. If you consider travel time, a road journey between us would take three days, five hours, and nine minutes. I often wonder how Google search can produce those exact time measurements. And yet, here we are, connected within minutes as if we are in the same room. I have followed Sylvia's blog, Another Day in Paradise, for many years. And the name says it all. Sylvia has created a place that welcomes and encourages life-affirming conversations. When you visit Sylvia, you enter a place of sunshine, warmth, blue skies, and lush vegetation. It is truly paradise, especially when you come from the cold north of Canada and we are in snow. So put the kettle on and add to this exciting conversation on ttoastrivia.com. Welcome, Sylvia. Thank you for joining me today and sending sunshine up to our rainy, rainy Vancouver. Well, thank you, Rebecca. That was such a welcome and it's such an honor to be on your podcast. I'm really, really happy to see you in the flesh and to hear your voice. It's so special. <laughs> thank you. Well, you have always created a place where I feel welcome and I look forward to every one of your posts. You can, your connection, your connection with nature, your travel adventures, and beautiful family moments give beauty and joy to the day. So my question is, why did you become a blogger? Yeah, actually, it's my husband's um, fault, really, because about 11 years ago, when we still lived in South Africa, he saw a blogging site advertised on our main news channel, and so thought, because I love writing, that I would like to join it. So he said, why not give it a try? So I did that, and he set me up on my laptop, because I had no idea then what a blog was, just totally foreign to me. And I had a look at some of the blog posts, and I thought, I can do that. So I did. And it took me a while to work out what blogging was all about. And at first, I didn't even know how to communicate with my fellow bloggers. They used to comment on my post, but I didn't know how to go to them and follow their post. But then eventually I figured it out, and then there was no stopping me. So most of the content on that site was only of interest to fellow South Africans because uh, the daily goings-on and the politics in the country at that time were favorite subjects amongst the bloggers. And it was a quite a close-knit community, and as many of them knew one another, it got a bit personal at times, and there were more than a few spats, which was quite entertaining as long as I wasn't involved in the spats. So I tried to keep my contact more about my travels. We'd been doing a lot of overseas trips during those years, so I wrote about my travels, and readers found my experiences and photos of trips to the US and the UK quite fascinating. In 2010, we did a road trip from Jackson Hole through Wyoming and Yellowstone Park, from where, with Chris's help, I managed to blog almost every day. 
as well as fixing the internet when it wouldn't work, he would proofread my posts. And his support and encouragement throughout my blogging years has been so invaluable to me. When we weren't traveling, I blogged a lot about my family, and especially my darling mom, who was quite a character, was always having little adventures of her own, like driving her car up the garage wall, closing the garage door before she'd driven in properly, or accidentally taking off her friend's side view mirror with hers after they'd stopped next to one another for a quick chat. She had a marvelous sense of humor and was an endless source of blog inspiration. I can laugh now just thinking about some of the scrapes she got into with her car. And if she featured in one of my posts, I used to phone her that evening and I would read it to her. So she just loved the way I wrote about her little escapades. That's how I started. I remember those. Your, your mother was just so precious. <laughs> she was. Yeah, she's been gone now for five years, but uh, I have her photo on my desk and I greet her every morning and her smile just lifts me up. She was a darling. That whole idea of family was driven by her ability to welcome you and your family. It, it grew and she always was up to something exciting. That's right. And she wasn't frightened to tell me about all her little pranks and things that she did, which she felt a bit stupid at the time, but then she could laugh about it afterwards. And she didn't mind my bloggers having a laugh about it as well. <laughs> she was a good sport. She taught us how to grow old gracefully. She did. That whole idea of transitions is very different when you look at it backwards as opposed to forward at every stage of her life. That's right. Yeah, she was. She was a, a woman of great character. She had a lovely personality, and people just loved her to bits. You know, she was very welcoming. People were always welcome in our home, and they just loved her so much. And my sister and I, of course, we loved her so much, and we miss her terribly, but we have wonderful memories. This is leading into my next question. Is it important to engage with others within a virtual world? Is it important to go out there or are we, should we stay in the local community? Why is it important to go across the world to touch base? Yeah, so towards the end of 2011, the South African blog site closed down because the editor resigned and very few of my fellow bloggers managed to make the transition across to WordPress. I persevered, but I really struggled to become relevant on an international blogging site and I had very few followers to start with. But it was a whole new ball game. but I persevered, and gradually it all just started to come together, and I've never looked back. Once people started to visit me, and I started to visit them, and then I would look to see who commented on their blogs, and then I would go to them, and that's how it works. It's, it's amazing how you can get around the world just looking at people's comments and their blogs. I think it's very important to engage with others because I've learned so much from fellow bloggers, both from their posts and also their comments on mine and on other people's. And I've been able to vicariously visit places which I'll probably never, ever see in my lifetime. Some of the bloggers post humor and some of them have more serious content and that makes you ponder. And... I just find that we're all so comfortable in one another's company and we chat like old friends. 
on the blocks like you and I do and interact regularly. And although I haven't met them in person, I'm sure if we were there, going to meet one another one day, I would feel that we'd known each other forever. I have met a few bloggers in South Africa. I met about seven. And in England, I met one of the bloggers from WordPress. And it was just like we'd known each other forever. As soon as we met face to face, we just never stopped talking. It was amazing. I call those friends with commas. You start one conversation, you might not see each other for three months, and all of a sudden you see them again, and it's like you've never been apart. That's right. And then you have to go back to make sure you haven't missed anything. That's right. <laughs> you use photography to document your connection with nature, and you give wonderful comments, and you actually become involved with them as friends. Alibaba. The alligator that you've been watching as he grows longer, ever longer. And I love the tidbit that you had about how to measure his length using the length of his nose to his eyes. I thought that would be useful. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. And as you saw, I offered if anyone wanted to come and prove me wrong, then I would pick them up from the airport. But as I said, they probably would only need a one-way ticket. <laughs> I have a wicked sense of humor as well. <laughs> when we came to live in Florida, I, that was when I really started taking photos of wildlife. I'd never done that before. Usually Chris used to take the photos when we went to uh, the parks in South Africa and saw the animals. He would do all the photography. But having all this wonderful wildlife literally in my backyard, I just couldn't resist taking photos of them. And then, of course, I had to give them names. They were my new friends. And they used to come and see me most days. And our first resident alligator wasn't Alibaba. It was Mr. A. I don't know if you remember Mr. A. He was huge, yes. And then a couple of years ago, Alibaba appeared on the scene. And we moved house, and so we had a different lake. So we didn't get Mr. A anymore, but now we have Alibaba. So I had to give him a different name. And of course, he was smaller. So hence calling him the Baba. And then, of course, the Sammy Squirrel who entertains us with his antics, tries to gobble all our bird seed. He twists himself into a pretzel and he's just so frantic to have the bird seed before the birds can get at it. <laughs> he hasn't been around lately. I'm just wondering where he is. And Chris said he's probably hibernating. So I hope that's the case. And I hope he'll come and steal the bird seed again soon. Now, Mr. GBH, the great blue heron, he's not there at the moment, but he often appears and he stands patiently for seemingly an age waiting for his breakfast to appear. And then he'll grab it and he'll wolf it down and then he'll be off. And then I don't see him till he's hungry again. He's probably my favorite bird out of all of them. There's the great egret. He never stops. He just struts like a catwalk model. And he doesn't look from side to side. He's just focused on where he's going. And his yellow feet are just marching in time to some silent march music that's going on in his head. I'm sure that's what it is. And then Woody Woodstalk is amazing because he can stand on one leg forever. 
And I remember one day, I was looking out of the window, and I saw him there, and he was on his one leg. And I thought, I wonder if I grab my camera and he sees me, will he go away? But he didn't. He just stood there, and he looked at me. And he said, I can do this. I bet you can't do this. So he stood on one leg probably for at least five minutes, and I stood silently with my camera and then he lifted his wings as though he was about to fly away. And then he said, ah, got you. I'm not going to fly away. I'm going to stay a bit longer. And I had him to myself for about 15 or 20 minutes. It was just so special. So that's Woody Woodstock. He's quite a star. And then Rosie Spoonbill, of course, with her beautiful pink plumage. She... Oh, she is such a celebrity, and she knows it. And she's got this huge spoon bill, which it's not a beautiful thing, but I suppose if you're another spoon bill, then it is. And it comes in very useful for scooping up the food that she gets from along the water's edge. And, of course, there's Perry and Penelope Pelican, who I can actually see as I look out of the window. And they have started coming to the trees beside our lake, every winter. I'm not sure where they come from, but obviously colder climbs. Maybe they even come. Do you get pelicans in Vancouver? I haven't seen any. I think you are one of those whisperers that just bring them in. Thank you. So this year they brought um, about three or four relatives with them. They obviously told them about the conditions here in this resort, and they've all come to enjoy the Florida warmth. So every morning I sit at the breakfast table, I look across the trees, and there they are sunning themselves, and occasionally they'll fly a little bit, and then they'll fly back again, just testing out their wings, and then they'll settle down on the branches and bob up and down. And it's just such a, a wonderful thing to see out of your kitchen window, as you can imagine. And then, of course... We can't forget the iguanas. They arrived here just over three years ago, and they provided new subjects for me to study and photograph. I don't know if you remember young, bright, green Iggy, the rock star. Yes, I do. Well, we have a pond outside, but it was derelict at that time, and uh, we just moved into the house, and Chris was busy renovating it. So they could get in round the broken screen fence, and they used to sit out on the rocks right by my kitchen window where I could just take a photo so easily through the window without them even noticing I was there. And then there were the other older ones who used to just laze around under the palm trees. And I remember, um, I think it was two years ago on my birthday, I looked out of my bathroom window and there were nine iguanas all sitting up, looking towards my bathroom window, and I thought they'd probably come to wish me happy birthday. They were. I think so, yes. Well, that's what I thought, and they didn't um, contradict me. So, <laughs> <laughs> But my favorite is Grandpa Igashow. He's the orange one, and he must be six feet long. And he literally now hangs out in the trees at the side of the lake. He very rarely comes ashore. He survived the culling, which has been carried out by our homeowners association, which is awful. And a lot of the iguanas have disappeared. But he's a survivor. 
And he's there and he's like a beacon in the trees with his bright orange color. And he's, it's like he's saying, yeah, catch me if you can. So I wave to him and he just looks at me and says, thanks a lot for safe space. <laughs> <laughs> I've given them all names. Um, I don't know if they would like the names I've given them, but I like to think that they would. And I enjoy writing stories about them all. And they've all got different personalities. They really have. And when you see them on a day-to-day -day basis, you realize that just like us, they've got their own little routines, their favorite spots, their favorite places to walk, their favorite places to eat. And just so wonderful. I just find it really fascinating and I feel very blessed to be able to see what they're up to on a daily basis. This planet belongs to all of us, and we're actually all animals, aren't we? You know, we, we're two-legged ones, and uh, we don't have fur, feathers, or scales, but um, we all have to share the space. And I just feel like in Florida, like with the alligators and the birds, they were here before me. So I'll happily share my space with them, and I'm just so happy to see them around. I feel blessed that I can come and look with you because the way you present it, the beauty of photography, of how you bring things together, there's a real love of how you explain how the world around you actually thrives. It's like I can be there with you. Would you come back? I will, yes, I will. This has been such a pleasure, it really has, yes. You know what, I'm going to give a tidbit of what we're going to talk about next in our next podcast, because I'm going to quote something to you, and I believe that you are the quintessential idea of this quote. It's by Robert Louis Stevenson. He wrote, I travel not to go anywhere, but to go. I travel for travel's sake. The great affair is to move. You and Robert Louis Stevenson are kindred spirits. You love to travel and have completed two round-the-world trips and have visited more than 40 countries so far. Next time, we're going to talk to you about how those trips and adventures have actually influenced your life. Yes, I'm up for it. Thank you, everyone, for dropping by and listening in on tea, toast, and trivia. Safe travels wherever your adventures take you. And remember, you are only an internet click away from Sylvia and another day in paradise. Thank you, Sylvia. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Rebecca. And my pleasure, too.